welcome to the Northwestern Undergraduate Law Journal Speaker Series. Hello and welcome to the Northwestern Undergraduate Law Journal. My name is Jamie and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of the journal and this is a very special podcast today where we're discussing the LSAT with John Denning, VP of PowerScore Test Preparation. John, how are you doing today? Hanging in there. Yeah, it's good to have a Friday. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, very excited to get into this as I am taking the August test. And Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah, we catch kind of a bookend situation here where I know some of what we'll talk about is going to be people just getting started, maybe not even having seen an LSAT before, and others like yourself who are hopefully nearing the end of this journey. So exciting times. Right. Yeah, like we have... Um, a lot of our listeners are underclassmen, so I think a great place to start is um, how to really get into the LSAT. So, John, mm -hmm. what would you say is the best place to start, and how do you even start thinking about taking the LSAT? <laughs> a lot of deep breaths. Um, I'm going to ping some of this off of you too, Jamie, because I think they'll really benefit from hearing about your own experiences as they relate to some of my advice. Um, you may disagree with some of it. We'll see. To me, there's always two jumping off points that I think people should investigate or pursue. The first is to really just try to immerse themselves into the ecosystem of the LSAT. Get out there and find some blogs that they'd like to read, research more about the test, find some helpful communities. We have a forum with our students, with our users, past, former, probably present. Um, so we've, yeah, we've got a lot of different ways that people can start to immerse themselves in just what this experience is like. Uh, Reddit is a great place to go on and talk to some users. Don't get too stressed out when you see scores getting bandied about. I get the deep suspicion that a lot of those are kind of exaggerated <laughs> or inflated. Exactly. Yeah. But really just do your research, do some, some free dives into the world of LSAT and see what you're in for based on what others have experienced. Did you have a chance to, to see some of that firsthand for yourself? I did. I started maybe a month ago, I think. Oh, wow. Um, a little bit untraditional, but it's been about a month of studying for me. And the first place I went to was Reddit. And mm -hmm. it's very helpful. Um, as you said, you see a lot of people posting high 170 scores and being like, oh, this is a bad test for me. I only got a 179. It's definitely very exaggerated. And that is a downside. But overall, Reddit's a great place to ask for um maybe books to read, companies sure. to go to, or just questions. And that was really helpful for me in um, navigating what is and can be a very overwhelming process of starting the LSAT. Yeah, I'll add one more element to that too, which is find some podcasts on this test that you like. I think it's an amazing thing you're doing here. We have a podcast as well that's gotten, I guess, reasonably popular. People seem to like it. All of this is just free ways that you can start to find a community. And if you can have a helping hand or some, just an outreach point um, through this process, I promise it's going to benefit you. I definitely agree. And I'm going to do a little bit of um, bragging for you, but I oh. am obsessed with the PowerScore podcast. And if you're listening and just starting, a lot of the earlier episodes go into the basics of the LSAT, so conditional reasoning or question types. And if that's where you are and you're just starting, it's very helpful if you're sitting down or if you're listening to it in the car on a run, it's a really great start. Um, yeah, I talk a lot in that one. So I'm pretty apologies to anyone who has to sit through me, but there is some good information in there. I will admit to that. The other place most people start, and Jamie, again, you're a little untraditional with just a month. 
uh, under your belt, I think that's amazing though, is they take a practice test. There's a couple of free time digital LSATs out there that you can go take. LSAC, the people who make the test have a place called Law Hub where they actually offer some tests. Just get one under your belt as it were, like just go take a test, see what it's like, see what you're up against. Do not measure yourself by the outcome of that, have the experience of it. It's not a predictor, it's not an indicator of what kind of lawyer you could be or whether you'll go to law school or what your score might ultimately become. It just shows you what you're up against. It's a know your enemy sort of situation. So right. those are usually the two jumping off points, as I said, for most people getting going. Are there any mistakes people typically make when starting um, their practice? That's a really good question, Jamie. On the heels of what I was just saying, which was to take a free LSAT, one of the mistakes that I see a lot of people make is they fixate on the score, but they never really focus on the analytics or, or the more granular aspects of what led to it. So to me, the results of any practice test, but particularly your first, are not about the outcome, it's about the process. What does this really tell me in terms of what I know, my opportunities for growth, where I need to focus my time and efforts? It's the diagnostic data that you get back. And here's where we hit maybe the first snag of the day, which is those free tests that I was just referring to on LSAC, they don't give you any of that feedback. Right. And that's a problem. Why would they? They're given by the people who make the test. They're not going to come in and diagnose you. So what you need to do is then find a way to use those results and get meaningful, basically performance analysis from it. And again, not a terribly shameless plug, but it, a bit of a plug. We offer that. Other companies offer that for free where you can actually go in and enter your data and they'll tell you how you did and why, what you did, why it turned out the way that it was. So I think that's an early mistake is don't worry about outcomes. Don't even worry about your future so much as the present and what you need to be doing right now. Um, the other, I think a lot of people get confused or <laughs> you were just referring to Reddit as well. And I, it's funny, every time I think of it, I always have the same kind of like wry grin because there's people on there that always want to sort of self-aggrandize. I didn't study at all and I got, or yeah, I, I had to spend $5,000 on a private tutor for six months. It's like, those are two vast extremes of this. There's a lot of ways that you can actually do this affordably and, you know, reasonably. You're going to need to prepare. You're going to need to learn this test and it is learnable, but that doesn't mean you have to shell out you know, a million bucks or that you're always on your own. There's happy mediums in there too. I completely agree with that. I think that there's a lot of um, relatively inexpensive or even free resources out there and mm -hmm. you don't need to spend so much on the LSAT, especially since um, as I'm starting to learn the law school admissions process is also uh, can be costly and then law school. So um, if you're getting into it, which may be different than people's ACT or SAT process, it's not always the best thing to be like, I'm going to spend all of my money on this test. Um, right. You might disagree, but. Uh, no, I, I mean, I should disagree given what I do, but no, I actually don't. That's one of the reasons we offer so much free stuff is we want this to be accessible and affordable for everybody. Uh, the Bibles that we offer, the books that we offer are some of the cheapest resources that you can get and they're incredibly comprehensive. So, we try to hit all tiers of this. We give a lot of free stuff. We give low price stuff. And if you want to go nuts, we can help you out there too. Right. And so then there's people who um, are now taking the test to yeah. um, transition people who are taking the August test, which when this comes out will be about a week um, from when this comes out or the October test. Right. Um, before the week of the exam, what should students be doing? 
this is particularly relevant for you, I suppose, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so Jamie, I'll direct this to you, but also to any listeners who find themselves in your shoes, which is to say the final stretch, whether it's the last three or four days or the last seven to 10, becomes much more about mentality. It's a really a mindset game at that point um, where you're not going to necessarily learn a tremendous amount of new conceptual knowledge. You can still improve. There are still things to, to do better, but this is really the application side of that conceptual game. I've spent this time learning how the test works, my strategies, my techniques. Now it's about how do I maximize the value of what I know? And a big part of that really comes down to how you see yourself, how you view the test and the experience and how much self-belief really you can begin to instill. I think if there's one thing that people do wrong in the final week is they overemphasize practice tests, they overemphasize work, and they de-emphasize introspection, let's call it. This sense of like, who am I? How am I gonna make this go the way that I want it to go? How am I gonna take charge of this test now that I know the way that it operates? So again, a counterintuitive thing to think, you would think the final week, push hard, go nuts, take a test or two a day. But I think that's actually more dangerous than helpful in most cases. On the opposite end, is there too little someone could be doing or um, does that? <laughs> One of the things that I, I think people fail to focus on, and this is, I don't know, it's poignant for me because I had a tutoring student yesterday who was just complete like scatterbrained like I had never seen her. And she's a little bit, you know, kind of fun and breezy, but this was the thing where she just couldn't string sentences together. And I was like, are you okay? I was actually worried about her. And she goes, yeah, well, it's seven o'clock. I guess it's time I should eat something. And I'm like, yeah, you're sitting here trying to do LSAT practice and you haven't eaten and it's 7 p.m. I say that to really emphasize self-care. A lot of people this final week, they don't try to instill in themselves a good routine, healthy lifestyle choices. If you know you're taking the test early in the morning, practice taking it in the morning. Wake up, take it then. Find a steady routine of like diet, sleep, exercise. If you don't drink coffee, this is a bad week to start and vice versa. Probably in a bad week to stop. So again, I know these don't feel necessarily LSAT specific. They're more performance specific. But the final week becomes a little bit less about the LSAT. It becomes a little more about performance. So when I think about people doing too little, it's rare that someone in the week before their test just says, all right, that's enough for me and does nothing about the test. So I don't worry about that side as much. I worry about that actually going overboard. The too little seems to be not focusing enough on the, the extracurricular or the extraneous factors that play such a vital role when it comes down to really you know, performing on test day. Right. Right. So I, I say that for you as well, Jamie, take care of yourself over these next six, eight days. It'll pay you huge dividends. Yeah, those are great tips. I can speak personally for myself in that <laughs> I've tried to slow down studying, um, which felt counterintuitive, but to avoid right. not because I definitely, even though it's been a month, I've felt the like too much studying practice test every day anxiety. Um, yeah. And so I've slowed it down. But then the question is, when do you stop studying before the test? Um, I've heard advice of a week before, a day before. Do you have something that you would recommend? That's a good question too. Um, <laughs> if I didn't know you better, I think this whole podcast was just about you. I know it's, <laughs> I know it's not. Um, what I always tell people, again, leading up to the test is you want to try to finish on a high note, number one. So if you're four days out and you still have two more practice tests to take, but you just happen to hit your target number or exceed it, you can stop. It's not so much days before that you should quit. It's more like moments before experiences before. 
as I think about it, like, man, I just, if I could just do this one more time when it counts, I'm golden. Well, then you know you can do it. You've proven that. And now you're really at a maintenance level. You just want to maintain and stay consistent. That doesn't mean more tests. It just means more review, maybe more practice or staying fresh with the content, but not actually putting yourself in an experience where a result could detract from your confidence. And that's the other thing too, I think. Um, there's not so much a time to finish studying, but there is a time to get realistic, which is to say, if you're feeling burned out, admit to it, acknowledge it. Embrace the fact of like, I have to take a day off. Even if that day off is two or three days before your test, you've got to give your body a chance uh, to be at its best. And the same way, be realistic of there are certain strategic adjustments that people need to make in the two days before the test. I got a Twitter message from someone this morning who said that she's taking the test next Saturday and asked me if it was realistic to go up 10 points by then. And that, again, <laughs> I think most people out there would, their jaw would drop or they'd shake their head. My response was a little more caged than that. I didn't just say no. And I said, look, if, if you're just getting going, you can make huge strides quickly at the beginning by just learning some fundamental things. But if you have a relatively established practice test score, 10 more points in six, 10, eight days, whatever, I doubt it. So let's be realistic about how many of those 10 points you could go get. Maybe you could do fewer reading comp passages, but your accuracy goes up to get you more points. Maybe there's a question type that's costing you more time than it's gaining you in results. You lose three questions to complete this one long parallel reasoning because it took you four minutes. These are the types of strategic adjustments where you may not hit your ultimate goal, but you are going to hit the highest number you're capable of at that moment. Interesting. And this probably yeah. goes back to analytics and seeing how long you're taking per questions, if there's certain types that you're always getting wrong or taking too much time on, that's where I feel like the analytics probably come into play. I think so too. And even into the final stretch and for yourself and others, this is still a time where you can make micro adjustments, but to make them, you need to have a microscopic view of what you're doing. In other words, people come to me in the days before their test and like, man, I'm just still so bad at logic games. And I'm like, you're going to have to get way more specific. Is it a type of game? Is it an idea? Is it misreading rules? Is it inference making? Is there a question or two that just slow you down so much the whole section falls apart? Do you know how templates and numerical distributions work? Mm -hmm. So these are the kinds of details that not only do I need to try to coach or help someone, but that anyone who wants to really maximize their potential needs to have about themselves. Right. That makes yeah. sense. Um, and then so the actual test, um, mm -hmm. I know if anyone's been on Reddit, they've seen things about um, proctor disasters. How, <laughs> um, so for a student going into the test, um, how do you prevent that from happening? And are there certain things you're supposed to tell your proctor or do before to make sure everything goes smoothly? Good news first. These seem to be really outlier events and they're becoming more outlier the more times that we run these flex tests or that LSAC runs these flex tests. ProctorU is the third party that actually oversees the experience of the test. They've more or less got it figured out by now. I will say the fir first couple times out were rocky. Mm -hmm. But now I think things are pretty well, pretty well polished and LSAC has done a lot to work with them and continue to coach uh, the proctors who will be there. But it is kind of an unnerving experience to know that there could be someone on your webcam watching you as you're, you can't see them. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's just a bit big brotherish. What I always say to people first and foremost going in is know what is and isn't allowed 
take all the precautions in the world to make sure you don't violate something or cause some sort of issue. If you have roommates, tell them you're taking a test, please be quiet, shut the doors, that kind of stuff. If there's things like on the wall, TV monitors or mirrors, shiny reflective art, just take them down or put a pillowcase over them or something. In other words, know how the test experience is meant to go from their end and know what you're allowed to do. Know your rights, basically, on your end. For instance, this uh, August test is going to be, uh, I think, the first one or maybe October, the first one where you can have mechanical pencils. That's right. brand new. They're beginning to allow earplugs, just those little squishy styrofoam ones you use at a too loud concert. But right. you can now use those. You weren't allowed to do that before. But people who don't know these things don't get to take advantage or people who don't know these things get told the wrong thing by the proctor and they can't fight for themselves because they just believe what they're told. So do your research going into the test, know exactly what it's supposed to be like so that you can advocate for yourself to make sure that it is. Right, that sounds great. And then, um, so that's the test process. So um, back to people who are just starting. Mm -hmm. um, I wanna hear more about power scores. So one thing I, um, so in preparation for this, I kind of, reached out to some of the people I'm studying with for questions. And I think the biggest one was power score tutoring. How does it work? And when should someone reach out for that? Yeah, I'll probably have to answer this in something of a, a timeline form, which is to say the way that it works now may not be permanent because of just the situation and how people are having to study or how people are having to engage and interact right now. So the tutoring that we do is always private one-on-one -on -one tutoring. Okay. And it's an amazing service because it's customized. It's entirely tailored to you, bespoke, as I sometimes over fancifully call it. And that for a lot of people is exactly what they need, especially people, interestingly enough, who have a decent sense already from a lot of the resources that you and I have discussed of who they are, what they're doing right, the, the ground that they can cover on their own. Right. And then they reach a point where they're like, all right, now I'm deep in the woods and I really don't know where to go. Someone help me out. That's where a tutor can be just a godsend for people. The way we're doing our tutoring right now is governed largely by just the circumstances of, of COVID and the pandemic and the way that we can get together. We wanna keep people safe, obviously, and yet we wanna still be accessible and vice versa. So we run all of our tutoring right now online. It's done through our interface that we use for our live online courses called Blackboard Collaborate. I know some universities use it, some listeners might've heard of it. It's amazing. It allows us to load up literally every page of our course materials. I have a database of every LSAT question in history where if somebody's like, I heard about this dinosaur game that's hard for my roommate. Give me two seconds. I can type dinosaur in every instance of the word on the test. History will come up. So it gives us a tremendous amount, just this vault of LSAT content that we can pull from. And it really is engaging and interactive. So that's the the backbone really of how it is that we engage with students. I'm hoping, as I know everyone else is, that that changes a little bit in the future where we can offer a parallel path where people can actually sit down across the table, look each other in the eye, pass a page back and forth as they diagram and stuff. But for now, we have to do all that virtually. We do have a great platform for it. The way the tutoring itself works is, like I said, it's it's highly reliant on just the growing, the evolution of the student, him or herself. Mm -hmm. So where someone starts in the beginning, how many hours they'll need, what they talk about session to session is entirely dependent on the results that they're getting, the feedback data that they get from the attempts that they're making. 
So we'll take a test. We'll look at those test results. I'll tell you exactly what you need to be practicing. You'll practice it. You'll tell me how that went. We'll go from there. It's a really collaborative, really, again, organic experience. I have, I think, four different tutoring students right now, Jamie, and not a single one of them that I talked to this week talked about the same thing with me. We all did different things together. Some are taking August, some are taking November. It's just wholly client dependent. That's what I love about it. Plus it's personal. You gotta actually like get to know somebody. I've, one of my best friends here in Los Angeles who I miss dearly these days is a former tutoring student of mine who's just an awesome guy. We got to know each other chatting over tutoring and before you knew it, we had a beer and before you knew it, he was a buddy. So I love tutoring. It's probably my favorite thing that we do, but it's not for everyone. I wanna make sure of that. It's, it's not even necessarily the best thing for everyone, even if you could afford a hundred hours. Sometimes people like the collaboration of a classroom or just that, you know, the group experience, we're a team, we're in this together. I like that too, but that's gonna be a little bit more syllabus-based. Tutoring is going to be much more like, what do you want to do today? Or what's next for you, Jamie or whomever? So that to me is, is the dividing point between a classroom and a tutor. And then, of course, a book where you're not entirely on your own, I hope, but much more sort of self-sufficient. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So before um, we go, is there anything else about PowerScore, the LSAT, you want to leave the listeners with? Well, to me, the, the best thing I think I could say about us to leave people with is really in a, a roundabout way, so this puts a nice symmetry to it, is go do your homework, guys. Get out there, investigate, look at different companies. I'm not even going to say that we're the best company for you necessarily, but you can find that sort of thing out before you make any kind of commitment to a set of techniques and methodologies that a company advocates to a course that they sell or a tutor that they provide go do your research. Um, there's nothing more important, especially in the early stages, than knowing essentially what's available to you and then making a decision about who you are based off of what you know you need from a practice test. And as you get deeper into it, of course, don't be afraid to change. A lot of people just put their head down and it turns into this <laughs> battering ram into the same brick wall. And it's like sometimes you have to take a step back and make adjustments. Tutors are great to help you with that. But any company that's engaging, accessible, and I think we're honestly at the top of that list, frankly. Any company that you could reach out to and have that conversation with and who can help you out, they're probably worth a second look. Right. So that's what I would say. If anybody needs to get in touch with me directly, oh boy, I might regret this. Um, <laughs> I'm on Twitter. It's John M. Denning on Twitter. I'm all over the place on Reddit. You can find me by email. You can call our 800 number and somebody will probably shamelessly put you right through to me. So I'm always happy to talk to people. I love, love this test. I love watching people grow and succeed. It sounds like you're on the doorstep. It's one of my favorite things in the world to watch. But again, don't be afraid to ask for help. We're out there to help you. Thank you so much. And if you're listening and want to check out the journal, we are the Northwestern Undergraduate Law Journal and our website is theannualj.org. Thank you so much, John. Oh, you're welcome.